entirely without justification that the serious critics despise precisely those works of art that most people love. Box office hits, bestsellers, chart-topping singles, they all are treated with scorn by these elitists, who then turn around and praise to the hilt some esoteric work no reasonable person would ever enjoy. Readers are often left wondering whether the authors aren't simply trying to impress them with their hipness or faux sophistication, rather than offer an honest appraisal of the work at hand. Critics add to this distrust by making their process seem opaque and mysterious. They are very quick to give a ranking to a work, assigning stars or scores or thumbs, but rarely tell us how these scales are constructed or what priorities are involved in their application. Music magazines publish countless reviews touting four- and five-star albums and dismissing the inferior two- and three-star alternatives. But where do we find an in-depth description of the ranking system itself? What values do these rankings embody? What assumptions are built into the scores and rankings? If music fans probe deeper into the process, they encounter lots of specifics about individual recordings, but almost nothing about how critical judgments are formed. Even though I have worked for many years as a critic, I still know what it's like to be a novice, puzzled by the arcane aspects of the reviewer's craft. In my mid-thirties, I lived in Napa for a year, and in order to have intelligent conversations with my neighbors, almost all of them worked in the wine industry, I decided to improve my knowledge of grapes and vintages. This was a pleasant field of study, but I took it seriously, and even shelled out some hard-earned cash to subscribe to a pricey newsletter by the influential wine connoisseur Robert Parker. Much to my surprise, I learned not only about wine, but also some new twists on criticism. The sheer variety of ways he could describe the taste of a wine was stunning. With mouth-watering black and blue fruits distinctly tinged by fruit pits, smoked meat, chalk, and a medicinal iodine note, this formidably concentrated wine never forgets its duty to refresh. I could read a hundred or more of his short assessments of vintages at a sitting, and would soon forget about the wines, so lost was I in admiration of the many ways Parker had found to capture their ineffable qualities in words. How many ways can you describe the flavor of fermented grape juice? Parker never seemed to exhaust the possibilities, and at his best, his descriptions possessed a certain wry poetry and metaphorical insight. I was writing a book on the history of jazz during that time in Napa, and I am convinced to this day that my own ability to describe music was improved by this immersion in wine culture and criticism. Yet even after months of reading Parker's newsletter, I still couldn't explain the difference between a wine he assigned 85 points and another vintage that rated 95. I enjoyed his prose, and even more I enjoyed the wines. But though I tasted the vintages and concurred that he had guided me to many an outstanding bottle, I could only vaguely grasp what kinds of finely calibrated standards he had applied before writing the few sentences he used to describe them. Yet, as I look back on my own writings on music, which could now fill a shelf, 
I realize that I am just as guilty as Robert Parker and the thumbs-up-and-down movie critics. I've offered both praise and put-downs to many an artist over the years, but I've never actually outlined in detail the standards I apply in making these evaluations. I've sometimes made a few general comments on my process, but hardly with the degree of specificity the subject deserves. And I'm not the only one. I've read hundreds of books on jazz, but I can't recall any critic actually explaining, at a detailed and granular level, what they were listening for. Sure, they talk about musicians and albums and techniques and styles, but do they ever really invite listeners inside the head of a critic, a scary thought, and allow them to listen along as the evidence is sifted and assessments and decisions are made. With that in mind, I've tried to lay bare my own...